0: podcast about soccer, mental toughness, and life. I'm your host, Brandon Stone, and today we have with us Mitch Sowerby, head coach of Mid-America Christian University. Mitch also coached, was assistant coach for Rogers State for three years, where he also played his college ball. Before that, he played in Newcastle, England. Please welcome Mitch Sowerby. Mitch Sowerby, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I am doing great. Mitch, tell me about yourself. I've known you for, gosh, six, about six years, I'd say.
1: I think it's a little bit longer, actually. Is it longer? Um, I think if you remember, I think uh, I was there when you first did your kind of first. Um, my
0: talk, my first kind of talk.
1: Motivational yeah your motivational talk about yourself in 2012 so it's coming up coming up on eight Eight years
0: years. wow that's a long time yep so yeah uh, you've been
1: there you've been there ever since
0: i came here yeah we're in 2020 now it's eight years crazy um tell tell the audience where you're from and uh how you got to where you are now
1: uh, yeah, so originally um, from England. Um, so I grew up playing soccer, football back there all my life um, and then made the decision in 2012, like we just said, to come out to America to play. Um, I think I was originally supposed to go to Incarnate Word in Texas um, and then ended up talking to Coach Larkin, who's just been on the podcast recently about coming to Roger State and kind of liked what he had to say, like to the, the vision and the goals set and I knew the, the school was moving into their NCAA, um, like the facilities, so ended up coming to Roger State to play. I played all four years here um, at Rogers State and then lucky and fortunate enough, I guess, to get straight into the coaching realm um, again at Rogers State as an assistant coach um, and then recently just moved to Mid-America Christian and AI school in the Sooner Athletic Conference and that's where I'm coaching right now as a head coach on the men's side.
0: Perfect, perfect. And you had a... Fantastic first season, did you not
1: it was It was good. we set some high goals and we accomplished them. And I think it's fair to say if you asked anyone on our team, we probably didn't achieve what we wanted to achieve realistically, but it was still an unbelievable, unforgettable year and broke many, many records throughout the season and honestly, it was an unbelievable experience for a first year head coach.
0: No doubt, no doubt we'll get in more t- in that later, but I want to rewind and go back to the beginning of what it was like playing soccer in England for you um, what was it like when you first fell in love with the game?
1: uh yes, yeah, so I was obviously really young um when I first started playing, and I think back in England football soccer we we'll call it soccer is the is the only sport really um, most prominent sport there, so Kind of grew up in it, going to watch games every weekend, professional live games, and then you playing, could be playing on a Saturday morning, and then going straight to watch a game Saturday Saturday evening at 3 p.m. kickoff. Um, so in and around it, and involved in it all my life growing up. Um, back then, there was a team called Hartlepool United. They were they were in the third division in League One as it was, um, and they were pushing for playoffs um, to get into the Championship, um, which is an unbelievable league right now. And when I was around fifteen sixteen, I played for them for a couple of years, and that was kind of I was a kind of a peak in my my career my youth of what I thought um, and then obviously didn't manage to get signed on professionally into that um, since then Pill's kind of dropped down into a lot lower leagues um, and then after that, I decided I wanted to kind of continue playing, but wanted to get an education as well so I was obviously looking at universities in England um, and playing kind of what we call Sunday league soccer where you can kind of get paid for it um, or coming out to America um, ultimately chose to come to America, but in and around it grew up in it. Everything in my life was it after school playing football during school playing football, everything just revolved around football and it's just, it's unbelievable. And when you're, when you're in England or in Europe, um, I guess it's kind of what American football is here. It's a bit of, it's everything to everyone. Um, so, Growing up in it was was
0: amazing. I always consider, at least in Brazil, and I'm sure it's the same in England. I always consider it as being as, if you were to put football, basketball, and baseball into one sport. Yes, I'd say the size of, I, of the sport in That's England a good good analogy of it. It's a good analogy for sure. Tell me your about your first moment at the, with that club at 15 your, your first official game
1: uh so i remember i actually went to um the club actually put a cover camp on which is kind of like a skills camp um and that was a team back then that i kind of i supported i went to the um games my stepdad as a he was from there so i had a season ticket um so kind of when that camp came available, I went on it, and I was never expecting that they'd bring me into their academy. Um, so you get, so I first got the invite for a six-week trial. Um, so they bring you in for six weeks, um, kind of you go through practices and through games. And I just remember getting there and kind of feeling a little bit, a little bit taken back that I was actually playing, playing for the team that I actually supported and loved at the time. Um, and then actually getting to step out on the field and just in them colours and play for them—it's just there's not not a feeling like it really. Um, and then obviously, like I said, ultimately it wasn't meant to be. And a year or so down the line, that they didn't keep me on, and I understand it. It's very very few people that get it, but it kind of motivated and pushed me
0: um, just to just to get to where I am now. Did you have a favourite game or favourite moment from that team?
1: I think, honestly, the favourite moment, um, there was some games, there was some great games we played against local teams. We played against teams like Sunderland and like some friendly matches who at the time were kind of premiership, championship area. Um, but I think for me, the favourite moment, honestly, was just the first time I actually arrived at the training ground for the first training session. Um, just kind of, because you just kind of, I felt like I'd done something special that not not a lot of people had done. Um, so kind of, walking out onto the training for the first time and actually it was probably the first time I'd been coached by what would be considered a professional coach, someone with, with licenses and such, so just kind of that surreal feeling of first walking out onto the training field and thinking, wow, wow I've got here, um, I need to try and stay here. It puts you in a whole nother tier, huh? Yeah, and honestly when I got there and I was playing, and obviously I was a little bit older then, so looking around and some of the players there were just some of the players were on another level altogether and some of the players on the team were playing with the older teams, the under-18s and they were u 15 So, I mean, it just shows you that there's another there's another level altogether and that was for a league one side, so I can't imagine what it was being like for a Premiership Academy team player in that level. So, it just shows you that there's... Yeah, I was on a new step, but there's another step above that as well. So,
0: you're always looking forward.
1: Yeah, and I think whenever... Whenever you do anything in life, whenever you accomplish something, I think there's always another ceiling you can break. And once you once you break it and get into it, then you've got to set new goals and aim and reach for a little bit higher. Um, so I think there's always things like that you can be doing. And I don't think, a, don't think there's a limit of where you can go, what you can do and what you can achieve.
0: Beautiful. Well said. Um, what made you choose roger i know you said you talked to larkin to get to roger state but like what was that process of you said you almost went to this other school what was that process of choosing schools like deciding to come to america as opposed to staying in england
1: um so i i think the first one was obviously the decision to come to america um obviously for for me at the time it was a big decision um nobody kind of from my area had made that decision to come across to the states although i think it's becoming more popular now um so that was kind of a challenge and I remember it was actually probably my my mom that kind of pushed me and was like it can change your life you go experience something um area I'm from is probably not the best and kind of fall into the same patterns and same routines as a lot of other people around you which I don't think are really equipped for getting you very far in life um so that was kind of why I made the decision to come to America and then Obviously, in the process, you talk to a lot of different schools. Some schools have a lot of interest, some don't. And then I remember kind of getting it down to, to one school, and then Roger State came in a little bit later. Um, and I just, I just don't. Know. I just remember speaking to Larkin and just kind of felt a little bit comfortable with him and with the decision of coming here. And sometimes you don't know, you don't know what path you're going to go on. Um, and I think sometimes God might have a path for you to follow. Um, so I just kind of took the leap of faith and said there's a reason this is happening and it's turned out pretty good so far
0: yeah I definitely feel like it was the right choice um, <laughs> so then you get to Roger State what was that um, adapted like adapting to life in the U.S. what was the biggest challenge for you being away from home
1: Yeah, so I think um, the biggest challenge and I think it would have been a challenge even if I went to university in England is just kind of Living on your own and having to figure things out for yourself, um, I think you kind of definitely take that step into becoming an adult and becoming more mature about things. Um, and then obviously, when you come across these, as far as you do, if something goes wrong or something's not right, you can't just can't just go home. Like you can't just go. Well, let me go drive an hour and I'm back home. It's kind of you have to figure it out and you have to make it work. Um, and I think adapting that was probably the hardest part of it. Is just kind of doing doing life on my own, um, making all new friends. I didn't come across with anyone I knew. Um, so you're making all new friends, you're in a new lifestyle, a new area, um, trying to figure it out. Um, so that was probably the hardest thing. Um, but for me personally, I'm pretty, pretty easy going. So it didn't, it didn't take long to adjust. And obviously I was in a room with some, some people who've become long friends since then. So that definitely helps. Um, but yeah.
0: So in a sense, you kind of burned the boats when you came over here. There is no looking back.
1: Hey, exactly, there is nothing. Um, I, just, I know there's a few people that come over from across seas and they don't last and it's just a little bit too much for them and they're homesick because there's so many differences. Um, but I think the majority of people that do come across from all this overseas, um, I think they tend, tend to last and stick it out. But yeah, it's, it's sink or survive really.
0: What advice would you give to, let's say, a freshman who just got to the states from England, to uh, for him to thrive quicker, like? Okay. Um,
1: I think I think I would give this bit of advice to not just freshmen from across seas, but also freshmen from America as well, because I think even American local kids going to college for the first time can be a challenge because they're used to getting a lot of things. They're used to being hey, I need something, and they get it straight away. But obviously, when you go to college, it's, you're kind of by yourself. Um, so I think the more you can just be open and receptive um, and kind of the more you can communicate with others, I think that's probably one of the biggest advice, whether something's hard in your life and you need some help through something or whether you're just trying to communicate and make friends, I think the more you can put yourself out there and kind of integrate yourself into what's happening, I think the easier you'll find it because... more friends you have or the more people that you can talk to I think they can help it because sometimes people go through the same struggles as you um if you're a freshman from high school in America and you're going to a school four states away then you're no different than a player coming from Brazil I mean you're both away from home you both might have homesickness troubles struggles um or just someone to share good ideas with so I think the more you can be outgoing communicate and integrate yourself within the squad within the school as well sometimes it doesn't have to be just in the soccer it can be in the school if there's activities going on you can find a lot of people on campus through just on campus events which I know a lot of schools do a good job of of doing that so I think that's really
0: important so uh soccer players are I know I was in that age um We want to do everything ourselves we want to figure it out by ourselves we don't like asking for help and i think it's for me at least it was my ego i didn't want to appear weak and asking for help made in my mind in my naive mind at the time it made me appear as weak but uh i think the way you put it 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 uh makes it a lot more um lot more pretty to, to look at it that way attractive Let's put it that way.
1: yeah I think uh I think even even from out of college possibly into like jobs in a marriage adulthood I still think a lot of men kind of struggle to ask for help and struggle to talk about things anywhere um just because they are they want to be seen as kind of the manly figure and they don't want to say like they need anything or they don't need anything from anyone so I think if you can kind of get the grips with that that in college um, and you're not afraid to ask for help, you're not afraid to show some vulnerability, I think it's going to carry you a long way.
0: Good, good. Favorite moment in sports at RSU?
1: Oof, wow.
0: As a player a lot. and then we'll get into as, as an assistant coach.
1: As a player, um, well I think there's a lot of there's a lot of moments. Um, I know I heard heard Larkin on your podcast recently talking about playing for the moments and that hasn't changed from what he said from the moment I walked through the door to right now he still calls me and tells me just keep playing for the moments um, I think at RSU there was there was a lot of lot of moments um, that made it special and some of the best moments I had at RSU weren't weren't really to do with the soccer at all it, it was because we were on a way trip somewhere I mean played and we've been to Colorado as a team and we went to Dallas Cowboys Stadium and toured that as a team so there's a lot of special moments in there Um, I'd say playing wise one of the best moments uh, we had is, I don't remember if I was a player or a coach actually when we beat St Ed's 2-1 in overtime Um, it was 1-1, they were ranked at the time, I think they were ranked number 3 in the country Um, but when you asked me that question that moment stood out whether I was a player or a coach just I remember that I remember the feeling we all wanted to win we all wanted to beat them to prove ourselves and and it happened
0: yeah that was that was huge I was there that was a special moment yep so h- how did you go from being a player at RSU to a coach assistant coach
1: um I think the first year was definitely more of a challenge than the other years, just um, since I knew, I knew quite a lot of the players. Um, there was an older class, so I kind of knew a lot of the players in the senior class. Um, so the first year was definitely a challenge. I think my senior year in playing, um, I kind of transitioned myself out anyway in terms of I was starting to prepare for life after college um, and wasn't focused so much of college and I've got one year left and what should we do in college? I was more focused on okay. After this year, I'm in the real world. What do I want to do? What are my goals? What do I want to start accomplishing? Um, So I'd kind of started putting myself on that pedestal anyway. And I think from my freshman year, I was kind of made somewhat of a leader um, in terms of being around the captains and understanding the programme and school a little bit more. And then from there on out, I was kind of a captain of the team. Um, So I definitely... I definitely had a good sense um, and understanding of the players at the time so when I got into coaching as the assistant coach I knew the players they respected me I respected them every single one of them so that helped and like I said I transitioned out of my senior year um, starting to get ready so I wasn't really around them as much in a social setting as I probably could have been in my senior year Um, but I think I had different kind of ambitions and goals at that time Um, so that helped me and then obviously after the after the first year of being an assistant coach, um, a new wave of players came in. It was a big a big senior class my first year, so a new wave of players come in that I'd helped recruit to. Um, so then it kind of got easier from there on out and I'd got more comfortable um, with being a coach and understanding it and how Roger State operates off the field because um, we can all see what it's like on the field. So, so that was kind of how I adjusted and took a little bit of time.
0: Interesting. So... When you say off the field you're talking about the the mechanics of being a coach yeah yeah there's a, all lot, the of, a lot of behind the scenes stuff
1: yeah there's a lot of stuff that goes into being a college coach than just coaching on the field and i remember coach larkin specifically telling me that when i wanted to get into coaching at the college level um and then seeing it there's there's just so much i mean there's from dealing Dealing with the people in the administration's um, offices to the international advisors to the recruiting to the budgeting, booking hotels, when you're traveling, meals, everything. There's so much to it. The, the actual coaching piece and on the field, just uh just a small, minute part. But that's the part we probably all enjoy the most. And that's probably why we do the job to get that small 5-10% of the actual coaching that comes with the job.
0: Wow, you don't you don't really think about that as a as a player. You don't really see that aspect, so that's interesting. Um, and tell me about the process of getting your first head coach job and what that felt like for you.
1: Yeah, so I'd um, I'd been coaching as an assistant for I think it was around around three years. So this was it was all quite quick uh, relatively quick actually how this all happened. Um, but I'd been looking just looking at a few different jobs like you do not really kind of taking a dive into any of them or not really wanting to kind of step out of there felt like it was out of my comfort zone a little bit um, but again coach Larkin was like I think you're ready you could definitely do it if something came up you, you, you'd, you'd be successful you'd be fine um, and then this job came up at Mid-America Christian in Oklahoma City um, surprisingly I actually knew the school because um, My first year at Roger State, we were in NAIA school and played in the Sooner Athletic Conference, so we played against them. And then the next three years, we became a Division II school. So I knew the school. Um, The two coaches at the time uh, were Evan Dresel and Zach Bice, kind of co-coaching the men and the women. Um, Zach Bice took another job as an athletic director at the high school, um, and Evan Dresel took the women's job. Um, So it opened a men's job, and the AD said they wanted to make the split of the programs. Um, And I actually knew Zach and Evan – and Mid-America Christian, so I think that helped make the process a little bit easier. Um, Well, it definitely helped me get my foot in the door and get into the interviews with the AD and the president and the committee, Um, and obviously, Larkin put a good word in for me, so I think all of them pieces helped me get my foot in the door, and then the interview came, and they felt like I was a good fit, Um, and I remember the AD at the time saying, we're not looking for someone with biggest and best resume we're looking for the person that we feel like is the right fit um and I think there is a difference and obviously an athletic director taking a chance on a young coach for the first time is is a bit of a gamble so hopefully hopefully he thinks it paid off Mm -hmm. Um, but it was definitely it was definitely a it was a quick process really it all happened quickly even I think even from the time I started being an assistant coach at Roger State but I think I put my time in and I worked as hard as I could, kept my head down, um, knew what I wanted, went after it, um, kept learning, kept asking people questions, um, going on courses um, and then managed to get it and honestly it was a nerve-wracking feeling when they offered me the job because I thought this is it, what if we never win a game, what if we lose every game and then I'm not made out for this so nerve-wracking but definitely grateful and blessed and happy that uh, I got it and jumped into it
0: that's great that's great Um, one of the questions I asked you several years ago at when you're at Roger State was what advice would you give someone who is just starting out in college and your answer was to this was in terms of coaching your answer was to start earlier because um I think if you didn't start actually coaching, you started while you're still playing as a player, but you told me I would have started even earlier and get into it quicker. Yeah,
1: yeah. so so in, in a coaching aspect of it, I think definitely starting earlier would be more beneficial. I kind of started in my junior year when I was playing, uh, but it was all, all volunteer. Um, I actually managed met a guy and he asked me to come out and help with his team, so I went out kind of couple of times a month just to get involved, start helping out. Um, what team? And then it got – it was uh, called NEOFC, North East Oklahoma Football Club, um, in Owasso, so it was local. Um, so I put some time in for free volunteering and then got in my senior year and it kind of picked up a little bit more and I made it a little bit more serious but still volunteering out there, trying to, trying to just do as much as I could as often as I could but obviously didn't want to make too many commitments at the time because – School and school and playing came first because that's what I was there to do. Um, and then during them, during that senior year, I started on my licenses. If I could go back, I would definitely start it all a little bit earlier, get on my licenses a little bit quicker, um, just to just so I can learn more and know more and have more more experiences from the coaching side. Because I think once you get into coaching, you see the game and you see training and players in a different light than you did when you were a player, um, and it definitely. If I was to go back and play tomorrow, it would definitely would make me a better player.
0: Interesting. What is it like getting the, the coach's licenses and that process? Is it hard or is it just you got to put in the time? Tell me about that, that aspect of it. And what, what license do you currently have now?
1: Um, so I just recently, um, just last year, passed my B license. Um, so the next one I'll be going for is the A. Um but you've obviously, you've got a little bit of time before you can go. You can't just hop license on license, like right after each other. You've got to kind of spend some time putting into practice what you've got. Um, I find personally, I find the licenses beneficial. I enjoy them. I think they're they're set up and designed now, um, not so much to pass off failure or to tell you, this is how you coach. I think there's more of an understanding that Every situation, every team is all different. There's so much that goes into a team. Um, I mean, every player is unique and individual within the team. So it's got to be coached a specific way to what's best for the player, what's best for the team, what's best for everyone. Um, So they're equipped to do that. Um, There's a lot more emphasis on kind of what it is to be a team, how to lead a team, how to manage a team. Um, and then obviously there is emphasis on how to coach you. You can't just be an awful coach. You can't just go shouting at everyone. Um, but I kind of enjoy the the holistic approach that's, that's put into it um, and kind of everything that goes into it. And there's some little pieces that you pick up on the courses that, that changed the way I've coached a hundred percent. There's some pieces on the course that I've kind of gone, not so sure about that, but definitely open to it. Um, but definitely gets you thinking and seeing in a new light and, and it kind of hits on that there's, again, like playing, there's, there's another level of coaching you can get to.
0: Very interesting. Um, tell me more about the first season you had as a, as a head coach. What were some of the challenges you had? How did you overcome those? And... Yeah,
1: so, so I think the, the first and obvious challenge was Walking into a team that you, you have no idea. Um, obviously, you got the job in summer, um, early summer. So walking into a team that you don't know any of the players, you haven't recruited any of the players. Um, you kind of just showing up, and what you've got is what you've got. And showing up and knowing that the team was was good, um, but they could have been better. Knowing that the team had good, had a good culture and and thinking how can we build on it and you don't want to go in and rock the boat and everyone want to leave. Um, but you also want to go in and make sure people get on board with, with what you want to do and how you want to want to move the school, move the, um, team forward. Um, so I think the biggest challenge was just not knowing anyone and knowing that, Hey, when preseason hits, that's the first time we're going to really get everyone together and everyone's going to understand us and trust us and know what we're saying is true. Um, Obviously, through the summer, we, we had phone calls with all the players, um, kind of introduced ourselves and spoke about them, just try to get to know them a little bit more. Uh, but obviously, until you're really around people or you spend time with people, I don't think you can necessarily build build trust. And I think without trust, players are less likely to do what you ask of them or they're going to think, well, why why should I come in fit? Because last year it was this and this happened, but he's telling me something different for this year. So I think until they can come in and see it and know you and trust you, um, I think that's always going to be a challenge to overcome. And Luckily for us, we had a, we had a great group of players, like really a great group of players come back. Um, and they adapted quickly. They liked everything we wanted to implement. They were on board. Everybody had the same goal. Um, and it was definitely, uh, definitely a big team feel. There was very few individuals on the team. and I think that um, helped drive us to be successful.
0: How did you sprinkle in fun into the training?
1: Um, so, so we, our training sessions. So that's a good question. We, um, we have a couple of sessions where they're solely just fun sessions where it's like small sided games or it's games of horseshoes, but we make it competitive where uh, we'll play horseshoes and the winners will move up and the losers will move down. So we'll naturally see who the best are and who the worst are that day um, so we do have sessions like that where it's fun, um, but our team, I think, their mentality and how they operate on a little bit of a different level. I think they're more of natural winners. Um, they want to win. They know what it is to win. Um, so our sessions that we put on were were intense. They were short. They were to the point. They were with a purpose. Um, and the players actually found that they were a lot more enjoyable the sessions like that because um, it wasn't coming out saying we're going to play this small side of possession with direction for five minutes. And it went 15, 20 minutes and players got bored. It was, if we said it's five minutes, it's five minutes. We so get after it. Um, but everything we do in practice is competition. Um, whether it's adding up points to get an overall winner at the end, if it's a number of completion passes, whatever it is. Um, and our players just thrive off the competition. Um, and that competition is is the fun for them. And to be honest, it's fun for, me and the other coaches watching them and sometimes we we get involved and we compete with them. Um, but then there is the days where it's just, you know what, this is nothing to do with nothing to do with what we need to accomplish, but let's have a little fun day because we've been working hard. We kind of need some recovery and some rest, but we'll still make it fun and, and compete. But I think pretty much every session we had, I think the players will tell you they enjoyed it. It was fun. It was intense and there was a meaning and a point behind it.
0: Did you do any uh, out of the box thinking um, in terms of like team building exercises, nothing to do with soccer? Um, So
1: I don't know if we were necessarily team building, um, but we did some team activities. Um, So when we came in, we only had a week of preseason. So it was really hard to, to get things in. And when you're a new coach in a team and you've got new ideas and ways that you want things to do, there's a lot of. There's a lot of things you've got to change, um, remould, restructure. So we spent a lot of time probably on the field, probably a little bit more than we would have liked to on the field in pre-season. Um, but I mean we did our team activities were just things like we had a big team cookout where me and the other coaches were gonna cook, and then it turned out that four or five of our players actually said they could do it better. So they took mm-hmm. over and, and they did all the grilling and things like that. And um, for us we went we go to church together. Um so just small. Small activities we do together, where it's not where it's not soccer related, is kind of what helped us through that. Um, obviously, looking forward to next season, we're gonna have a longer preseason, so hopefully we can get some some team activities, some team bonding slotted in there as well.
0: What is the biggest thing that, in terms of culture, that you've tried to add to the team in your first year and now second season?
1: yeah so like I said, I think the culture of the um program was good um I think they were already they'd already won a little bit they knew what it was like to win um they were together they were a close group um i think when when we came in we we wanted to create a culture that kind of made people competitive um made it a safe a safe environment for people so people could say what they felt needed to be said um, but really a culture where you know what, if if you're a player and you you can't play tomorrow and you go into the workforce, are you going to be successful in the workforce? Are you going to be successful as a husband? Um, So a lot of the the cultures we have were just small things like being on time, having good body language, having a good work ethic, being accountable and being respectful, just things like that. Things that that a lot of people can easily say um, and it's easier said than done but you know what? When there's a meeting and you show up, you, if the meeting's at twelve and you show up at twelve, then that's not that's not on time for us. That's late for us. Um, and I'm a big believer of whatever you do off the field will translate on the field. Um, so if you if you're taking care of business and doing what you need to in the classroom, in your social life, in your health, um, I think it's going to play a huge role of what you do on the field. So kind of just. Creating that culture and implementing it, but then the hardest part is obviously holding players accountable to that um, but we definitely we definitely did it, and I think it was a huge reason for the, the season we had
0: that's great um, How do you develop leaders with your team within your
1: team um, so this is something that we actually want to try and do a little bit better of and a little bit more of next year. Um, I think some people within the team um, just have leadership qualities that others kind of don't have or struggle to have. Um, whether that's through kind of life experiences, whether that's been through previously being leaders, whatever it is. Um, but for us to kind of help develop these men in leaders, we do a lot of individual meetings with players. Um, we do a, we do some smaller group meetings. Um, and during the meetings, we just kind of allow them to say what they need to say, what we, what we feel like, what we see, so we can talk it out and kind of, get them to understand i think one thing you got to understand about our team this year i think we're in a little bit unique situation i think um i would say 80 percent of our team was over the age of 20 um we had a lot of junior college transfers in so we had a lot of a lot of players on the team that were had kind of matured out of the freshman stages of college if you would say or kind of matured, matured through the through the i'm here for a good time and i don't have responsibilities so we so it it was easier to manage our team and we had a, a, the players kind of led themselves easier than I've seen um, previously. Um, but then I know some of our players are actually kind of seeking leadership themselves and reading leadership books and wanting to be better leaders. And I think, I think for me, one of the biggest things, um, and I preached about this to, to the assistant coaches as well is the players are going to be good leaders if we can be good leaders. Um, I think what they see from us how we act what we do is the biggest lesson that they can learn Um, so we kind of talk about one of our core values and our team is servant leadership Um, so we talk about kind of doing things for other people and what good would it be if we talk about it but I'm sitting there and doing nothing so I'm always kind of one of the first people uh, to get out there and do things and help and if a player turns around and says coach can you help me with this yeah absolutely I will Um, and I think just being that kind of role model and kind of us as a staff sticking true to what we, what we are telling the players and we're doing it first, I think that definitely helps. So, you know what, if there's laundry to be done and, and I've got to do it, then I'll get on and do it or the assistant coaches will do it. We're okay with it because we want our players to see that we're committed and involved just as much as they are.
0: Leading by example and nothing is below you. In terms of like... Absolutely. Absolutely. Has there been any players who you've helped last season or at RSU that you helped develop their confidence as a player and how did you do that?
1: Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of players at, um, at MACU now that would probably, I think, hopefully they would say um, that we helped, help their confidence tremendously Um one player that stands out in particular was the NCAA um, player of the year, All-American. Um, he'd been at school, Stephen Stephen and Ganja, um, Stephen and bai goes by. Um, he he'd been at school previously, um, and he's he's a phenomenal centre mid, um, holding mid attacker, mid just engine lungs for days, good technical on the ball. Um, his school previously his coach had him playing as a, as a left wing back um, and he kind of didn't understand why and didn't know why and didn't really fit the this way the school was trying to play. And we got him in and we only had one year, uh, one year under us. And I, I wish he had a few more years, um, but he, he kind of progressed from that, the start of being a little bit unconfident, kind of not really expressing himself or showing what he was capable to the end of the year, just again being one of our one of our better players and obviously winning that award is a huge recognition and he'll tell you and he told us through the year he's like this is the best year i've had i feel confident i feel like i'm free and for us we talk about the players playing with freedom playing with a smile on the face because ultimately when i was a kid when you were a kid we played because because it was fun you play for the love of the game so yeah we're in college and we want to win and we kind of have to win um, but if we're, if we're not having fun doing it and we're not enjoying what we're doing and we're not enjoying the way we play or how we play or understanding it I think that freedom can cause tension and can cause players to go in the shell a little bit and lack confidence um, and I think for us we we played a style of football that I think some 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 coaches might try to play some coaches won't play for fear of giving up goals or losing the ball but we like to possess and build out from the back and we tell our players all the time, like, if you make a mistake, I mean, it's okay. It's whatever you do after the mistake that counts. Um, So I think kind of players having that trust in us to understand that, I think that, that gave a lot of our players confidence. And I know it helped, helped Steven a lot in particular.
0: So um, basically not punishing someone if they make a mistake and eliminating that fear of making mistakes. Yeah.
1: And I mean, even, even in life, even, I think even kids, I mean, even through oh geez, even me now still, we, we're all, we're all going to make mistakes. It's impossible to not make a mistake. I think the telling factor is what you do after that mistake. Do you make the same mistake again? If you do, why? Um, how would you fix it? What, what's your reaction like? So in a, in a game of soccer, I mean, I don't care if you give the ball away, but what, what upsets me is if you give it away and stand still and just watch someone. Um, if you're going to lose the ball, just just work back and win it in terms of soccer. And it's not about that mistake. And, yeah, you know what, there's a mistake that might happen and hey, we might get scored on. But, you know what, if we can learn from it and we can get better, then that's that's what we're ultimately here to do. And in life, if you make a mistake but you can learn from it and get better, then, then you've just made your life a little bit better and you've made the life of those around you a little bit better because you're not going to make a mistake
0: again. Now, you as a player at RSU never made a mistake, did you?
1: I made a lot of mistakes, I can tell you. <laughs> I could tell you a few mistakes I made.
0: Tell me about one of your mistake moments and then how you learned from that. Do you remember a specific one?
1: I've got a specific game I remember, and I think Larkin remembers it very well. Um, and I think all of the players will remember it. We're, we're away at Lubbock Christian, um, and we're losing the game by a goal. Um, and at halftime, me and one of the players really got into it with each other because I felt like he wasn't trying and we, we got into each other and second half came out and he, he stepped up and it was his name's Danko Kendrick, he had probably the second half of his life and smashed in two goals and he was on fire and I remember we, <laughs> we went with 2-1 with two one up and then uh, we, we get a corner and I stayed back and the ball's cleared out and I try to, the forward's running at me. I'm the last man on the halfway line and the ball's bounced and I thought to myself, I'll just clip the ball over the forward's head and I'll just run around him and I slipped over. The forwards ran in, took the ball, scored 2-2. We get another corner, another corner, and then I stayed back again because it's 2-2. We just kind of wanted to kind of see it out for a little bit, no risks. Ball's come out again, I've got to take a touch, fell over the ball, forwards got it, ran on and scored and we're losing 3-2. And we lost 3-2 that game. And I think two huge mistakes, Um, but definitely two areas that I learned of. And I mean, that's obviously, that's specifically soccer in a game. Um, But I'll I'll never forget that, making them two big mistakes and costing it. Literally, the game was cost because of me.
0: How did you deal with that and how did your teammates get over it eventually? <laughs> was it, what was that
1: like? Um, I mean, luckily for us, we had, the, we had a really good team. Um, the boys were really close at the time and I think it was, they couldn't, I don't think they could quite believe what I'd done as much as I couldn't believe what I'd done and I think they knew that I was going to be harder on myself than they were going to be on me. Um, so they kind of, just left me alone and let me be at it um and then for myself I just kind of knew I'd made a mistake and I thought about it but you know what you in college you've you've got a day off and you've got a game again on the road so I couldn't couldn't dwell on it too much and I just thought the next game I'm not going to make any mistakes and I'm going to just be better than I was um and then I, I believe the next game was probably one of the better games I had in my career um and we ended up winning the next game and I think i think that it was all forgotten about after that
0: love it i love it um let's talk about goal setting you said at the beginning of the season you, you your team this season set some goals what were those goals you set did you set just a team goal just one goal like tell me about how you implemented goal setting in in your team
1: yeah so i think um, Ultimately, our ultimate goal was to to win the NAIA National Tournament. Um, that was kind of the be all and end all. That was the goal of all goals. Um, and I think then we we looked back at we looked back from there and said, okay, what goals, what short term goals can we set that's going to help us help us achieve that?
0: Um,
1: the first the first big goal to get to a national tournament is obviously to qualify for the national tournament. Um, so that was kind of another goal we said, okay, we're going to qualify. Well, then we look back at a smaller scale of how do we qualify for it? Um, there's two routes to qualify. One route is automatic bid, um, where you've, your non-conference has been good, your conference games have been good, but you didn't win the conference tournament. Um, and then the second one was to win the conference tournament. So within within that goal, we had two more goals. Um, and then for us, we also had like small little milestones, and um, in the coaching staff, not the players, but so that we had. Goals like these for the players and for us. And then in a coaching staff, we have kind of milestones. So the first three, the first four games, we wanted to make sure we had at least three wins. We felt three wins out of the first four was perfect because we were playing on the road. We were playing number 17, Arizona Christian. We thought if we can beat them, we're good. Another game in Arizona. Um, and then we played Sterling, who at the time had were 3-0 and had beat um, Bellevue, who were ranked top 15. Um so we accomplish that. We we're obviously 4-0, and, and then we, we re establish new goals. Okay, what's our next milestone? What's our next goal we want to achieve? Um, and I think for us, and even for me, I think I set goals and break it down to every single day. Every day there's a goal. What do I want to achieve? Why do I need to achieve it? And then the planning and the, the, the strategy of, okay, how are we going to do that? What do we need? Because um, obviously winning a national tournament is, is – one team in the NAIA out of about 300, however, and there is, that's going to do it. It's, it's hard. Um, so I think we set a big goal. Um, that's just, just, we got to aim for it and then we, we break it down into smaller goals. Um, but every day we challenge the players with their own goals. And I mean, we have, when you talk about goals, we have goals, not just for soccer, but academics, um, what was your GPA last semester? What can your GPA this, this semester be? This is the goal. How are we going to get there? Um, we had goals for recovery. Okay, well, we know some players work and they're getting six hours of sleep. So we set a goal of eight hours of sleep. Um, so there's, there's so many goals and we, we had them. Some we wrote down, some we didn't write down. And then we just constantly reminded players about it. Um, but the ones we constantly reminded players were about was kind of the smaller ones. of Because we knew the smaller ones would... Uh, ultimately get us to the bigger goal that was long-winded sorry about that
0: no that's great that's great insight um and it is it it is all about setting those daily goals because it's they build the there's stepping stones to the bigger goals so absolutely um, i love seeing that in action Uh, what motivates you to be better to improve
1: um i think my own goals um, my own goals are set out there and a bit ludicrous and a bit extreme um, but I think my own goals I know that I can't achieve goals like that unless I'm not self-motivated and, and want to learn and I'm also I kind of just feel like I'm someone that just wants to continuously get better and seek self-improvement um, so that that is ultimately a motivator and honestly I'm in a profession that, that I love that I enjoy um, so wanting to get better and wanting to learn it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a burden. It just feels like something that's natural and something that I want to do. And sometimes I seek information, get better and motivate myself, even, even if I don't know it. Um, but I think when you do something you love um, and you set goals that you know, that hey, you're never achieving them goals if you just do what you're doing now.
0: Do you have any superstitions that you carried on as a player to coaching?
1: Uh, Not as a player. I didn't really have superstitions as a player, honestly. Um, That wasn't me. I just kind of played. I know during this year of coaching, every time we won a game, I'd make sure we did whatever we did on that day. So we wore something. I was like, everyone's wearing the same again for the next game. Uh, I guess that was my coaching superstition. And then obviously when you lose, it's, right, everyone wears something different. Um, But playing-wise, didn't really have superstitions. But coaching-wise, the only superstitions I had was everybody must wear whatever we did. And if we did something before that game, we must do it
0: again. Superstitions are, are interesting because they work if you believe in them. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think for a lot of people, it's kind of, I feel as though it's kind of that comfort, comfortability. Is that a word? Comfortability? Being comfortable. Comf- being comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I'll we'll make yourself, it a word. Yeah. And kind of getting yourself in a routine. Um, doing something that kind of puts you at ease Takes the stress off a little bit Allows you to focus and think um, And, and I, I feel like that's why a superstition Is why people do it And then obviously if, if you do that And you've, you've focused in and you've said I'm going to put my right sock on before my left sock And concentrate on it And then you go out and get a win Then it kind of resonates with you And, and makes it want to stick
0: Great Well Mitch, I think we're going to wrap up here This has been a great talk Thank you so much for being on the podcast, and I uh, hope you. I wish you much success in the upcoming seasons, and we'll be in touch with you. Perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time, and I'll be
1: seeing you in uh, in August when RSU come to play Macale.
0: All right.